If you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalm 13. The text is also there in the bulletin. Um, as uh, we discussed in our home group last week, uh, we're observing the beginning of the church calendar year. Uh, the church calendar is not something you know, written in stone by God. Uh, it's a matter of uh, church's uh, traditions and observations, but it's a good way that we've uh, observed for uh, hundreds of years um, to provide opportunities to proclaim the many wonderful facets of the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, throughout the year. So the first season in the church year is Advent. This is the first Sunday of the year, according to the church calendar. Um, and so Advent, that word, uh, means coming. It, it's referring to the coming of God into the world, the coming of God as our Savior. So over 2,000 years ago, the Son of God took on human flesh, and he lived among us, the Lord Jesus, who lived and died and rose again and ascended bodily into heaven. So God the Son came into the world that first time, and someday he will come again. He will return in unveiled glory uh, to judge the living and the dead, to make all things new, to wipe away every tear from the eyes of his people. And so Advent is uh, a time, it's a good time for us to remember um, our anticipation of the Lord's coming. Uh, to cultivate that sense of longing for his coming and our patience as we wait for him. Often, our waiting is characterized by frustration. It's characterized by suffering. Uh, it's characterized by confusion as we wonder, why is God taking so long to come and save us? So uh, this Advent, we're going to look at some psalms that ask the question, how long? How long? The Psalms are prayers that God has given us. It's the very word of God. It's meant to become our prayers, our songs, our words, so that we can use them to talk to him throughout life in this world. We can use these Psalms uh, to examine our own hearts before God and to express what's going on in our hearts to God and to, to retrain and refocus and reshape our hearts as we wrestle with God and as we rehearse what God has revealed to us about our relationship with him. Many psalms express the deep frustrations of living in this broken world. Uh, we need psalms like this one, uh, Psalm 13, to teach us how to relate to God in Christ as we wait. In uh, many ways, feeling unfulfilled. In many ways, feeling distressed or overwhelmed, uh, desperate for him to come and deliver his people by his presence. So that's what we'll talk about this morning. Let me pray, then we'll read Psalm 13. <clears throat> Father, teach us how your word can become our prayer, how we can relate to you in Christ through this psalm as we consider it together this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. To the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Yahweh, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Yahweh, my God. Light up my eyes 
lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to Yahweh because he has dealt bountifully with me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God knows there will be times in our lives when it feels like he has forgotten us. God knows there will be times in our lives when it feels like he's hidden his face from us, when it feels like he's abandoned us. God knows. And he gave us prayers like this for just such times. God intends for us to speak with him through this psalm, even to commune with him through it, when it feels like he is absent. The psalm is given to shape the way that we relate to God as we take this word and make it our own. This word comes from the representative and ruler of God's kingdom, who invites all of God's people to make this word our own to the choir master, a psalm of David. And this psalm, this prayer, this word for our communion with God, it's a howl. It's a cry of desperation. It isn't given just to affirm the existence of our feelings of desperation. Not just given to let you know it's okay to feel that way. This psalm is given to teach us that we must howl to God. It's given to teach us how to howl to God. It's given to teach us that our king leads us in our howling to God. Rather than bitterly complaining about life to anyone who will listen, rather than turning inward to stew in our own thoughts or take counsel in our own souls, as it says in verse 2, The people of God howl to him when it feels like he's abandoned us. That's what we do. When it feels like he's absent, we are to cry out to him. We're to speak to him. We're to relate to him. When it feels like he's absent. He gives us these words to stoke our hope as we howl them to him. How long? Most English translations say, and you will be familiar with that phrase, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? Lord being in small caps. That sounds like we're trying to keep a respectful distance. Using an honorific title in the place of the real Hebrew word that's there. But it isn't, How long, sir? Or even, How long, O God? He says, let's make this personal. Use my name when you howl. How long, O Yahweh? If we went no further than this, we would find good news to awaken our hope. Yahweh gives his name to his people. To those with whom he has a relationship. Through his faithfulness. Through his steadfast love. Yahweh gives his name to make himself known, not to hide himself. 
Yahweh gives his name so that we may call on him, and he delivers all who call on him. Everyone who calls upon the name of Yahweh shall be saved. Even the question, how long, is a cry of hope. It's, it's the question of one who expects that Yahweh is coming. Not merely an exclamation of despair or frustration. Yahweh, the faithful God, has given us words of hope to speak to him even when it feels like he has been silent or absent. Have you seen uh, the Martin Scorsese film, Silence? It's based on the novel by Japanese writer Shusako Endo. It's set in 17th century Japan. That was a time when the authorities in Japan were violently hostile to Christianity, trying to eradicate it, and they did a fairly good job of it. <clears throat> Father Rodriguez is um, <clears throat> the main character of this story. He's a Portuguese priest. He's a missionary in Japan who is captured by the violently hostile authorities, and he is forced to watch other believers being killed for their faith <clears throat> in an attempt to make him recant his faith. He prays desperately for God's help for God's deliverance, but nothing changes. He still suffers, and his brothers and sisters in Christ still die for their faith. It feels like God is absent. And so he prays, I feel so tempted to despair. I'm afraid. The weight of your silence is terrible. I pray, but I'm lost. Or am I just praying to nothing? Nothing. Because you're not there. So because God seemed absent, he concluded that God must be absent. And that's the kind of place your own thoughts can take you when you take counsel in your own soul. Because God seems silent. Because we do not perceive him in ways that we expect. We are tempted to conclude that he is silent. But, but Yahweh has not been silent. He has spoken. He has given us this very word. When the inner turmoil hits, unless you listen to the word of Yahweh, unless you know the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will probably lean toward the conclusion that he has forsaken you, that he is silent, that he is absent, that he's not there. <clears throat> but what feels like his abandonment, we learn from the scriptures, never really was his abandonment after all. What feels like his abandonment has become an opportunity to wrestle with him. It's become an opportunity to relate to him, to remember that he has remembered us, to trust that God will come and that we shall rejoice in his salvation. We thank Yahweh for his word when the silence is deafening. We meet God in the isolation of the darkness. We commune with God in the absence. Because Jesus knew the silence and the absence of God. Jesus is God. Jesus is the God who suffered silence and abandonment as one of us. Jesus is the God who howled to God in the dark. Jesus is the God who relates to us. Jesus is the God who speaks so that we can relate to him. So the movement of this psalm 
is toward confidence in Yahweh, toward a confession of hope, toward an insistence upon joy that is coming. I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to Yahweh because he has dealt bountifully with me. What we know about Yahweh leads us to believe that he has not abandoned us. We rehearse what we know of Yahweh. We rehearse what we know of his character and his faithfulness, how he has already dealt so bountifully with us so that we can trust and confess and insist upon his steadfast love. What do we know of Yahweh? What do we know of his character and his faithfulness? What do we know of how he's already dealt bountifully with us? I mean, when David wrote this psalm, he already knew Yahweh to be the savior of God's people. Yahweh delivered his people from Egypt, from the house of slavery, with many wonders and signs and judgments. Yahweh brought his people into the promised land in order to dwell with them there. Yahweh never abandoned his people. Yahweh remembered his people. That's what defines him. He remembers us. Yahweh made his face to shine upon his people, favoring them with a special relational knowledge of him. And now, he has given us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. At just the right time, Christ came, bringing salvation with him. To save us from the silence, God sent his word in the flesh. To save us from his absence, God sent Emmanuel, God with us. To be with us always, even to the end of the age, he says. The Son of God became one of us. He pledged and joined himself to us. He even took our inner turmoil to himself. He prayed for his Father's deliverance. But he heard only dreadful silence in the dark. And now when you hear only dreadful silence in the dark, you know that you have communion with Jesus which is communion with Yahweh. Jesus went to the grave, to the land of forgottenness. Now when you go to the grave, you know that you have communion with Jesus, which is communion with Yahweh. Our representative and our ruler had to wait, howling, Suffering while he waited for the joy that would come in the Father's presence. Our King, the Son of God Himself, leads us in our howling and in our waiting. So we wait for Yahweh, but we wait with Yahweh. In our waiting for God, we know God. We wait like God when we howl to God in the dark. We commune with God as we wait for the full joyful light of his presence. And that light is coming. The father didn't forget Jesus in the grave, but he answered his cry and he raised him from the dead and he shined his face upon him and lit up his eyes with eternal life. It happened to Jesus our representative and our ruler, so it'll happen to us because he says we belong to him and he belongs to us. God has not forgotten us. He has remembered Jesus and therefore he has remembered us. 
God has not hidden his face from us. He has smiled upon us in Jesus Christ. God has not let our enemy be exalted over us. He has conquered death in Jesus Christ. He knows. He hears. He has considered and answered us. And his answer is Jesus. Jesus is the human life that resonates with God's word given to us so that we might relate to God through him. Since his first coming into the world, his death, his resurrection and ascension, we've been waiting a long time for Jesus to return as he promised. It has often been appropriate for us in this world, throughout history, throughout our lives, to howl with hope. How long, O Yahweh? There will be an end to the waiting. You'll, say, you'll see the face of Jesus someday. So trust in his steadfast love. Your heart shall rejoice in his salvation. You, you will sing to him because he has dealt bountifully with you. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, you invite us to cast all our anxieties on you because you care for us. You have known all our needs before we bring them, and you've given us blessed ways to bring our needs to you. You teach us to bring our pain and our sorrow and our confusion to you, to wrestle with you in prayer, so that you can reveal yourself to us more deeply. You have heard and considered and answered us in Jesus Christ. You have said, that you will never leave us or forsake us, and we believe it, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would help our unbelief. Help us to find our confidence and our hope in you and in your sure and eternal word of grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.